being able to control your mindset on and off the court is something that's a really valuable tool for you to be able to lock in. And are you doing like mental exercises off the court? Are you meditating? Are you doing yoga? Whatever the case may be for you to be able to yeah. do the things that you need to do to be able to have control over your mind and your focus. Like, so mm. how do you, how do you train yourself to do that? Like you mm. have to be able to go through the steps every single day right. to train yourself. You always have to be ready. Don't don't try to get ready, which means that you have to use the unseen hours, meaning mm -hmm. not when I'm in the gym, not when your teammates are in the gym or anybody that you're trying to impress. Yeah. Like you have to use those unseen hours every single day to uh, work on your craft, to be the best version of yourself. All of our athletic clocks and calendars are a lot shorter than what hopefully our life expectancy is, right? Yeah. So the value of being a student, being a, being someone that's going to constantly be curious and learning things is far exceeds the value of being a great athlete. Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Zhao, and today... Yeah, I'm here too. My name is Constine, and I'm normally the host of the Acceleration Path. And today, yeah, me and Chen had the idea to do a podcast together. Because we have the fortune to be joined with the NMH head coach of basketball, Coach Shelton, here with us. Do you want to introduce yourself a little more? Hey, guys, how's it going? This is Coach Shelton. Uh, this is my first year here at NMH. Came over from Governor's Academy, which is also a boarding school on the eastern side of the state. And uh, really excited to be with you guys tonight. Excited to talk some hoops, talk some some strategies, uh, some other things. I'm sure you guys have some good questions for me. So Perfect. excited to be here. Perfect. That's true. Yeah, Coach, thank you very much for being here today. And yeah, your first question that probably also listeners have is like, what is your idea of being a basketball coach and what do you do normally as a basketball coach? What are your like responsibilities? What are your tasks here at MH? How do you interpret your job? Yeah, so that's a great question. It's all-encompassing, and I think that the landscape of coaching in general has totally shifted, um, you know, over the last five or so years, five to ten years, I would say, because the athlete has changed. You guys have gotten stronger, faster, uh, better than, than when I played. So I think the evolution of coaching in general has totally shifted. You know, why I got into the job coaching 16 years ago or 17 years ago was different. You know, I uh, growing up in Indiana, basketball was king. Uh, basketball was the was the the first, second, and third thing you thought about when you woke up, <laughs> and um, you know I, I had a really good career, but I don't think I had a great career. And I think uh, part of that reason was is because of the coaching that I received. You know, I had some really good coaches that were really attentive, great at what they did, great at their at their craft, and I had some coaches that probably weren't the, the best. So as I kind of uh, meandered through my middle twenties, my early to mid twenties, I found my way back into coaching uh, a JV. Uh, high school team with my best friend that I played high school basketball nice. with. Mm. And that kind of started my journey as a coach. Um, and then from there I went into college and did that for six years. And then I've kind of been at the, you know, um, at the secondary level now for, for 10 years almost now. So uh, it's been a long journey. Um, but, you know, I think, like I said, and going back a little bit more towards your question, like the why behind me coaching, yeah. it was really for me to impact young people's lives. Um, I never grew up with a dad. And my mom worked 60 hours a week. And so my whole entire journey as an athlete was like on my own. I didn't have yeah. any any guidance really besides my coaches. 
you know, and they played a really pivotal role. And so as I got older, I wanted to be that voice of reason. I wanted to be that voice of helping kids get better at their craft Mm -hmm. um, as they go through the process of high school uh, and or college, because I started out in college, just kind of kind of help them through their path. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I always tell this to recruits. Right. Uh, So many people in this business have self-interest in terms of like wanting to get great players so they can win games. And it's never really been about that for me. It's really been more about developing the young men mm-hmm. on and off the court. Yeah. Um, because I was a, I was a huge knucklehead myself. <laughs> and even though I was a great athlete uh, and we won a lot of basketball games, you know, on the court, you know, going to class <laughs> was tough for yeah. me. Doing all my work was tough. And so I tried to cut corners here and there. And as you get older, you realize that, you know, that's not um, the way to be the best version of yourself. Right. Uh So what I talk to my guys about is like, how can you wake up every single day Mm. and be a champion in everything you do? Right. Mm -hmm. And the greatest winners, quote unquote, uh, in our society, in the world are people that everything they touch is gold. Everything they Mm -hmm. touch is a championship Mm -hmm. effort. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if we can have that approach, then we're going to be great uh, on the basketball court and win a lot of games. So speaking of helping young men and helping developing young men, is that something that came to you after uh, you want you start coaching basketball, or is it something that was in your mind before you start coaching basketball? Is it like you thought of, oh, I've been through this journey. I want to help other young men. I want to help other people so that they don't uh, they don't have to go through there. Or is it you love basketball so much and then you just love getting involved and then that sort of sense of purpose came onto you later in your life. Yeah. No, that's a great question. You know, I, I think that it, it was born out of wanting to help people in areas that I didn't necessarily have as I was Mm -hmm. growing up and the lessons that I learned through those hardships in those tough times and that Mm -hmm. adversity. Mm -hmm. And as I got older and I learned from those lessons, you know, I think that's kind of, um, what allowed me to reflect and say, you know what, like mm-hmm. I can be that voice of reason. I can be that, mm-hmm. uh, that coach that inspires young people to be great at what they mm-hmm. do, given what I've learned through the experiences that I've had. Yeah. And I think it's also like this role as a coach is so crucial and so much more as people would interpret. Like, it's not just like being a coach. It's like being around the players. It's like, actually like people, like, because it's always like we had, so I had a podcast um, where some people said in MH, you always try to meet the people where they are and what they did before. So when you see your team coming in and training, you don't know where they were before, what was going on in their, in their life before, but definitely they have to perform when they're on the court, right? Mm-hmm. So um, what do you think about this general idea of like a prep school? environment and was it on purpose to choose a prep school because it's like in this in the like in the in the origin of the prep school is it to prepare people for college is it do you think it's also part for as do you also feel as a part of your job to prepare people to go to college yeah 100 percent. and you know i think that you're you're 100 right in terms of what prep school is about right is help is helping prepare kids for that next step it's having a test run Right. And so I think mm-hmm. that if we have practice tests or if we're able to uh, see kind of the, the answers before the test happens and then kind of work on those and then get to the test, I think we have an op- optimal uh, opportunity to do better at that. And I think that's kind of what prep school offers you kids um, and not just for basketball or soccer or lacrosse or whatever sport you may play. Uh, I think it's also in the classroom. I think it's about being able to manage your time. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many different aspects that really allow you kids to grow up a little bit older and faster than you normally would Mm -hmm. in like a traditional, I'm staying at home with my parents, I'm going to the local public school uh, in these environments um, that really 
allows you you all to be successful um, at the next level. Because the, the interesting thing was I just did a podcast interview with Walker, and we were literally talking about this exact topic of how time developing time managers was actually the biggest thing that he had learned here because – he, in in this in this prep he he came here for basketball and he thought the only thing that he's working on is basketball but actually working on academics and working on um, these other things in life actually helped him become a better basketball player because he managed to find more time to train and then more time to sort of train by himself so what do you think the value of academics is to to an athlete to yeah. a student athlete why why is it always student athlete and why does a student come before the athlete well i think that being a student is going to be a lifelong pursuit right being a lifelong learner is something that educators always talk about because we're always learning and growing as we you know, go through this continuum of what's, what's, what's called life. I think all of us, uh, all of our athletic clocks and calendars mm-hmm. are a lot shorter than what hopefully our life expectancy is, right? Yeah. So the value of being a student, being a, being someone that's going to constantly be curious and learning things is far exceeds the value of being a great athlete because, again, the average professional basketball player is three to five years. Yeah. You know, same thing with NFL. I don't know what the soccer term uh, for <laughs> uh, how long they do, but, yeah. uh, you know, I think think that regardless you're you're an athlete for only a finite amount of time yeah. but yet you're going to be hopefully living uh, exploring and encouraging people for a long a lot longer so that's kind of where the academic pursuits come in you know and I think a lot of times we talk yeah. to our guys about you know um, being able to be a problem solver and I think with mm-hmm. any type of athlete like on the court, uh, you're going to have to be able to solve problems quickly, um, assess risk, and you know make the right judgment calls. And I think yeah. that's kind of what you learn in the classroom. Yeah, and I love yeah. that you. I love the touchability. It's like taking responsibility, like problem solving. These are all these things where that athletes develop and that you, Coach Holt, mentioned, which are also like really applicable how you can succeed in the classroom. Like, and then we have the all compassing experience of having having being in a prep school and actually learning something on the field. That is an incredible, like also valuable thing that you can apply in classroom. Um, an interesting question would be like when it comes to like the prep school environment. Obviously, people are here to search the right college to set them up for their future and to make a decision of where I want to spend the four years and when it comes to basketball i mean people can like the players here can present themselves on their highest level and we know they have a pretty packed schedule so they went through this and they also have to coordinate in their senior year and already in, the, in their junior year they probably have some offers about where i want to go um how what is your experience with the college process of a basketball athlete and what is your strategy of advising your players to, to pick probably the right school, the right fit for them? Yeah, I mean, that's a really complicated question because of what happened with COVID, as you yeah. both know. Yeah. Um, because of COVID, the NCAA allowed athletes to have an additional year. And so essentially what that's done, on top of uh, the NCAA passing a rule where students, student athletes can transfer for free, yeah. uh, before COVID and before this rule was passed, if you transferred, you had to sit out your first year. So that yeah. really deterred student athletes from transferring from school to school. Okay. Now the landscape is more athletes have an extra year because of COVID. Yeah. So now mm-hmm. you have 24, 23, 25-year-olds sometime playing, still playing college. Wow. That really <laughs> makes it hard for the yeah. high school kid yeah, to, exactly. get, you know, to get that basketball scholarship. It's a chain uh, effect, too. It's like postgraduates exactly. in, in, in high school. Like right now, there are postgraduates are getting older and older. And then players, there are 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds. Exactly. Maybe 20 year I don't know about 20-year-olds, but like 18, 19, which is usually the college yeah, age. Yeah, for maybe. sure. Getting ready to turn 20. Um, yeah, getting you can turn 20 
um, as long as you turn 20 after the, the beginning of the school year yeah. in yeah. NEPSEC. So, so there are indeed like 20-year-old Exactly. Players. In some point, yeah, in some. So like you said, it's getting older. And, you know, in terms of being able to help kids along the way with the college process, I think it really uh, is a marriage between, you know, um, us here at the prep school and their AAU program. Mm -hmm. So many college uh, student athletes are getting recruited uh, in AAU. Mm -hmm. So all of the summer events that happen, the spring events that happen, mm -hmm. the live periods, making sure they get on the right AAU team, yeah. they mm -hmm. have the right platform to showcase their talents and their skills. I think that's kind of the first thing. And then what we try to do is package that with the opportunity we have here, mm -hmm. whether it's in June mm -hmm. or whether it's in the fall when we bring in so many coaches. We brought in over 50 coaches this fall to watch our guys play wow. uh, in the fall right before the season started. Yeah. So, wow. so much of the recruiting process happens even before the season starts. Yeah, right. Um, and so it's, it's, it's definitely a long process. It's a tough process and each kid's process and journey is different. Yeah. And that's interesting because like, obviously like when you're on a season, at least it's in soccer, like a big topic, like, do you really like, how is that before when you're in season, you obviously like talk to your players that they should concentrate only on playing, right? They should, they should give the best performance on court and then they're going off court and then probably they talk with coaches, they coach reaching out to them, they have some other, some other conversations which also can then get them a little bit off track or kind of like they have to balance that out of like how much I can concentrate on the season, how much happens like beside the court. How do you coordinate that as a coach and how do you advise players to coordinate things what's going on in your college process while being in season? Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest struggle for our kids, especially for our postgrad kids that don't have a home. You know, they really have to manage uh, the expectations mentally. Yeah. And what I try to tell them is just, you know, you have to control what you can control. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't control a college offering you a scholarship. You can't control uh, a college offering you to come yeah. for an official visit. What you can control is your daily habits every single day. Right. If you pour into your daily habits to work on your craft, when it's time for you to perform, you're going to perform at your highest level. Mm -hmm. And that in turn is going to allow those colleges to really think of you as a great prospect for them um, in terms of their college. So you have to be able to control the small things, which is your daily habits is yeah. what I talk to my guys about. Yeah. And you talked about earlier um, at the start of podcast, you um, right off the bat, you, you mentioned how you make your students champions themselves in their lives. And, and that, that's a really, that's an interesting. So I, I immediately wrote that down. So how do you develop them into champions? Like in what aspects do you develop them? Do you develop them on the court? Do you develop them off the court? And what is your approach yeah. to to making them champions it's a really easy approach to be quite frank with you and mm -hmm. i think both of those things are important on and off the court mm -hmm. and it comes down to one word for me it comes down to accountability mm -hmm. you know i think what i try to do my best at is hold all of my athletes accountable for their actions and their behaviors and their patterns and their habits mm -hmm. you know i talk to my guys a lot this year about our habits and our discipline mm -hmm. if we don't have great habits and we don't have great discipline we're not going to win basketball games and so for you to be a champion for anybody to ho hoist that trophy at the end or even have an opportunity to play in that championship game you have to have great daily habits and discipline, um, and that's going to bore and foster uh, great success on the court. Mm -hmm. So that's really what we focus on. It's really that simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think for even like, I mean, probably are also like basketball players here at the moment listening to who are at the moment at their freshman sophomore year, even like entering high school and having the big dream of going to a league or even like playing basketball in like a 
different framework like professional so as a coach like what do you think are like the qualities which have like which were embedded over the time where you say like this is a way how to like make my playing style interesting for a coach like how what, what is a playing style that you're looking for like what are values and skills that you need from your players on the court yeah well first and foremost skills that are always transferable to the college level which then makes kids transferable to my level, our level here, is being able to dribble, pass, and shoot. I know it's it's the sexy things, right? It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the uh, Steph Curry effect, right? <laughs> Steph Curry comes, he shoots all the threes from half court and everything else. It yeah. looks really nice. It's really sexy to play that way. Yeah. And so coaches want kids that can dribble, pass, and shoot. You know what I mean? They they can get them in, they can get into their spots, they can get their teammates open, and they can make open shots because that makes coaching really easy. We can yeah. draw off the best plays we, we, we can, but if we don't have kids that can execute can those plays yeah. and make the shots, yeah. mm-hmm. then it doesn't really matter how fantastic of X and O coach you are so I think that's um the first you know those are the skills that I would say are most important and then in terms of like the 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 non-tangible skills um you know I think one of the things that I look for specifically is is how great of a teammate you are Mm -hmm. you know and uh what's your attitude and your character uh through adversity you know I think that's uh you know, something that's really important because a season is long, as you both know. Um, we play 34 games here. It's, it's the winter season is the longest season and it, it can be it can be a grind, you know. And if you don't have an athlete, a student athlete that has that grit to come every single day and be a great teammate, have a great attitude um, and be able to handle adversity, then it's really going to be tough for you to win basketball games because a, a game is cyclical, right? Like you're going to have your runs, you're going to have your ups, you're going to have your downs and you need to be able to mentally like hold your head throughout all those uh, all those peaks and valleys, and um, you know being able to to recruit and find kids that have that fortitude and that grit is something that I really look for. And speaking of the importance of team, actually we were just talking about it, and also we're talking with uh, Walker about this that a basketball team sports like soccer all these sports it's not about just the players it's not just about just getting one of the players it's about getting all the pieces and puzzles together and merge them together and then and then you have a team it's a sport that flows like when the team is sort of in the zone that flows and everyone has chemistry that's when the magic uh, the beauty happens right yeah so what is your way of developing a team like how do you how do you bring all these people from individuals together yeah, right? indi- yeah individuals from all over the country sometimes all over the world together into this one team because our team this year is extremely diverse right yeah i mean again it's a it's a great question i love that question and for me specifically uh it might be a unique train of thought uh to in terms of how to develop that chemistry and that togetherness but what i try to do is i try to create really adverse situations in practice mm. Right. I try to put time constraints on certain things. I try to put them in um, really tough situations where they have to work together. They have to communicate Mm -hmm. together uh, in order to figure out the solution of that problem. And if we do that over and over again, Mm -hmm. they're going to start to build those bonds. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to start to build that myelin in their head uh, to be able to have that memory, to be able to figure out what what needs to be executed in the games. So really, like that's just kind of my own personal philosophy is that we have to learn how to deal with adversity for us to be the best version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So why not do that every single day in practice? Right. Right. Um, And so that's kind of how I try and, and bring kids together from different parts of the country that have different goals expectations have had different roles on certain teams um you know and it it doesn't just start and stop on the court it also starts 
uh, off the court. So we do a lot of team building and stuff like that before the season starts. Uh, We have the guys together. We do certain little small trips and things of that nature in the summertime or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. So I think all of those things are being able to get to know your teammates, Mm -hmm. know them on a deeper level, not just basketball, and that helps as well. But when it comes down to the brass tacks, you know, I, I think that when you put a, a bunch of kids uh, in, a, in, on a, in a basketball court, in a gym or on a field or whatever, and you put them through adverse situations mm-hmm. and they're either going to sink or swim together, <laughs> I think yeah. it, it yeah, uh, swim, yeah. you know, you really uh, figure out what you have quickly. Yeah. And on the point of all these athletes having different roles, I mean, as as the pyramid of, of or the ladder of the um, competitiveness of, of ba- sport basketball, Climbs, you know, it's like more more stars merge merge together, and it might be a challenge sometimes because you know, like a competitive team like our team, you know, there are star, there are probably yeah, all starters. Yeah, we always stars. talk like when you're a star in high school, but yeah. this depends on your level. When you are, then you're when in you college. get to college, all of a sudden, you know, you're you're a bench. Like, so what would you say to these athletes to, to help them go through that um, process where they might have to play a smaller role than they they're used to, or sort of like tone down a little bit in some sense, or maybe sometimes they have to step up. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're 100% right, you know, and, and Walker, using him as an example, he struggled with his role this year, mm. you know, he struggled with uh, being the person that we really counted on to make a lot of shots, you know, mm. and uh, especially when he when his shots weren't going in, yeah. you know, he didn't want to shoot it anymore, you know, and yeah. we're like, hey, man, we know how hard you work. We, we have belief and trust in you. Yeah. You need to be able to shoot the basketball when you're open, you know. And so it is a struggle with each kid trying to figure out and define those roles. Uh-huh. A lot of times kids want bigger roles. than They usually never want a smaller role, but <laughs> they usually want bigger roles than what yeah. the team needs. But, you know, I mean, I think each kid individually is going to have like a di- – I'm going to have a different approach with each kid. But in general, you know, what I try and tell my guys is that, listen, 95% of the NBA players are role players. 95%, right? Mm. Think about that. Like 95% of those guys that you see making millions of dollars in the NBA are playing a role. They're not the star. They were a kid or a man in in college that scored all the points and did all that, but Mm. they got to a specific, you know, NBA program and they said, no, we have LeBron for that. And that's pretty interesting because I feel like that's only my feeling who succeeds in basketball. What I I see is like that somebody can actually perfection this role by Mm. getting the reps in every day and by perfection what you do. I'm just mentioning like, for example, the LeBron fade away like who knows who who doesn't know that right he perfectioned that shot like who can block that shot like he perfectioned that much that people Mm -hmm. have actually struggled to like to cover him so fundamentals yeah so so that's interesting because like obviously like heads up to our basketball players who 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 here at nmh like when i when i go in the morning to the gym i I already hear like how the ball is bouncing (laughs) go over i see walk shooting i see i see (laughs) i see the players who are putting work in um do you think like how is it to find your thing that you can you can make perfection of is it like how do you think you can find your role on the field is it something that you should you should communicate always like as you grow up with a coach or is it something that you have to find by yourself because in a way, like when you when you're said you can you can pass, shoot, and you can be there for the team, and you want to find your role, you kind of have to like individualize yourself in a bit, right? That the coach is saying like this is the perfect man for this one role that I get. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really tough question. I think um, there's a lot of different ways that you can answer. One one way where you can define your role is what is the market saying? And I talk mm-hmm. about this a lot with my kids in terms of recruiting. Yeah. It's like. The market is going to tell you if you're a Division One player, Division Two player, Division Three player, or Division None player, mm. right? If you don't have any college coaches calling you, if you don't have anybody offering you a scholarship, that tells you what the market's saying about yeah. your skill set, right? And I think it also has a lot to do with when, in terms of like what 
like what skill can I perfect? Mm. It's like, okay, well, if I've played on five teams, what roles have I played on those teams? Have yeah. I been a starter? Have I been someone that's been asked to score? Have I been yeah. someone that's played defense, right? Like, and if there's a common thread, usually that's probably saying like, okay, objectively, these are the, these are the coaches that hopefully are trying to put a team out there to win a game, whether it's any sport, right? And this is where they see me. Um, I probably need to hone in on, on those traits and perfect those and then try to build up some of the weaknesses that I have along the way yeah. as, I, as I go. Yeah. And how do you would describe, because I feel that when I, when I, for example, watch basketball, when I see all boys who put in the work and if you put like, I think it's also like relatable to like any other sports. If you know that you're really good in what you're doing, yeah. you're stepping yeah. on the field you feel kind of not so nervous than somebody who's actually don't know what he's doing there. Yeah. So I feel that when people have the confidence that they can do what they do because they did it every day, they did through the drill practices when you said you <laughs> put himself in a situation, they can perfect that, they yeah. have this coolness. Yeah. How would you describe this coolness in basketball and how do you think <laughs> how do you think do you can get to this Ice coolness cold. where <laughs> where you're stepping on the court and you're having confidence because you know what you can do? I think yeah. you already exp you already answered the question your own question. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I think it's Uh, through repetition, through repetition, yeah, right. Through repetition, you have confidence. You know, if you spend ten hours studying for the math exam, mm -hmm. and you did all the practice quizzes, and you did all the X, Y, and Z that your teacher asked, and you asked questions, and you went after, you did extra help, you went to you know Casa and did all the, all the things, yeah. you're going to step into that classroom the next day, whenever that test is, and you're going to be pretty freaking confident yeah. that you're going to be able to get a good yeah. test because That's you did everything before, right? Yeah. And so I think it's the same thing with sports. You know, I, I think if you drill everything down to a specific skill or a specific habit or a specific task in a game or uh, excuse me in a sport and you do that hundreds of thousands of times hmm. it doesn't matter how bright the lights get it doesn't matter who's watching you've yeah. done that a hundred thousand times yeah. and you know how to how to do yeah. that action right let's, let's use this simple like free throws yeah. you know like if you shoot a hundred thousand free throws like you're gonna be pretty confident in your free throws yeah, you know um, so you should be better than you were at the beginning of that you know mm -hmm. not that you're gonna be the best free throw shooter because there's still some pretty bad free throw shooters out there <laughs> but you get the point right like yeah, you, you have to be able what does it say like ten thousand reps to create a mm -hmm. habit like you have to be able to have those 10,000 reps for you to be able to create that habit for you to create that myelin um, in your you know in your brainwave your neuro neurological pathways so and to add on that point now I feel like confidence not only obviously repetition is like the core it's essential to it uh, but sometimes you know there may be other factors that can influence a player's confidence for example Say a toxic wild team basketball crowd also, or yeah, like yeah. a wild basketball crowd. Like when you're playing, away everybody's screaming it from the side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Distractions, yeah. Distractions and maybe negativity, maybe going through adversity in personal life. So, what is your way uh, or suggestion to people to sort of maintain their confidence, like the confidence that we assume that they've already built from? Uh, repetition and training but then also have it have the confidence to say oh yeah i can actually do this on the field because mm -hmm. or on the court sorry or uh, the field or on the field yeah sorry <laughs> yeah it's both good. of it works um because you know those situations might happen there may be self-doubt that happened there may be like the pressure of the game that hits them you know like and i think to, to put practice. it in a nutshell i love how americans put that because it's such a first yeah how do you lock in how do you lock in <laughs> how, how do you lock, lock in? in because that's that's what that's what people say always when you're gonna feel like lock in because they have to be fully focused to yeah. best be the best version of themselves yeah. out there right yeah 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 i mean first of all being able to lock in is intrinsic trait 
right? Like I can't help a kid lock in, right? Like it's yeah. like I could try. I can try to motivate. I can try and do my speech before the game. I can try to give them that specific kid and player a pep talk. But at the end of the day, it's those it's those it's those feet that are walking on that court to get yeah. ready to perform. Right. So for you to be able to lock in, it has to be intrinsic, intrinsically uh, motivated, intrinsically di- driven, right? Mm-hmm. So what I like to tell my kids about is you know the power of the mind. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, being able to control your mindset on and off the court is something that's a really valuable tool for you to be able to lock in. And are you doing like mental exercises off the court? Are you meditating? Are you doing yoga? Whatever the case may be for you to be able to do the things that you need to do to be able to have control over your mind and your focus. Like you were talking about before the crowd going wild, (laughs) you know, you were, you were talking about toxic environments and things of that nature. All those things are extrinsic factors, right? Uh, Stimuli that are coming into you. Mm. What you need to be able to do is distract all those things and focus on the task at hand. So Mm. how do you, how do you train yourself to do that? Like you Mm. have to be able to go through the steps every single day to train yourself, whether it's books, whether it's podcasts like this, Uh you know, whether it's (laughs) listening to music and just kind of trying to focus your mind, quiet your mind is what I talk to my guys a lot about. Um, Hopefully that helps them be able to do that. So you give them, you sort of show them the way and then you, but you can't make, you can't like literally like force them to do it, but nope. it's, it's all on the athlete, but you would show them and encourage them and then give them the guidance and say, yeah, this is because at the end of the day, it's still the athlete's job to do the athlete's job. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like exactly. you can only do so much as a coach. Yeah. You can yeah. only show a horse to water, right? You can't make yeah. him drink is what yeah. the old saying is. <laughs> and so I can say yeah. like, hey, listen, read this book. Yeah. Hey, listen to this podcast. Hey, this is what you need to do. Spend 30 minutes a day focusing and meditating every single day. Yeah. But it's still like even I've had athletes do that and they still can't perform. They still yeah. get nervous. They still have really sweaty hands. You know, they don't perform to their to the best of their ability because – it's just too much for them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, tough. And I, think, and I think also like finding out that that's like no couple to a question, like finding out what is best for you. It's really like also bounded to experience, like to experience, like you probably have to have a really bad match to understand what was wrong at that game, yeah. to understand what, what can I do better? Like even like in soccer and all these other sports. Yeah. And then I want to ask, because like, obviously like as higher low, as more prestigious you play, as more people you have around yourself that will take care of you, that what you do is the right way. Right. Even like, for example, like at NMH, we have this tool that you can watch every practice. You can see everything. The, the players can go back and see every play and say, what, what was good, what went wrong? Like not every like even players who grow up or like in lower leagues don't have that opportunity to mm-hmm. look so closely about what they have done right, what have done wrong, and how do they train? So how would you advise somebody who doesn't have this the facilities and also the trainers around him yet to tell him what is right or wrong to, for example, avoid something like overtraining or avoid something to train in wrong way? Like how how would you advise somebody to train the right way? And what are resources that also players can access yeah. to become better in basketball right. the right way? Right. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a really long question too, a little, really loaded question. But <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, first and foremost, like resources are great. But mm. I I'll use a golf saying from Big and Hogan. Like <laughs> he's like an old 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 golfer uh, back in the day that kind of like had the perfect swing. But uh, long story <laughs> short, Ben said like you have to dig it out of the dirt. 
You know what I mean? Which means like you just have to practice. So even if you don't yeah. have the great cameras or the great, you know, strength coach or the great yeah. individual coach, like just being able to find a playground, find a hoop, you know, and walk to it, ride your bike to it, get yeah. dropped off at it. You know, that that still is a thing. You know what I mean? Like that's still you should hopefully still have access to something like that in your neighborhood, in your town. And if you can do that, you've already beat half of it. If you don't have a computer or if you don't have a cell phone and can't get on the Internet to YouTube, because I think that's the best way. Yeah. Even if you don't have personal uh, access to the greatest minds, there's so much content on YouTube now for you kids yeah. that that's your it's instant. Crazy. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> your, that's your instant trainer right there. You know, find somebody that you connect with that you see that you seem is working on and talking about the yeah. things that you really want to work on your game. Watch mm-hmm. a YouTube clip. Yeah, you know, uh, reach out to them via, via email. See if they yeah. have any suggestions yeah. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be a way around because of technology now for you to be able to get some sort of access to knowledge. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. that's the total difference between when your guys are growing up and when I grew up, right? When I grew mm-hmm. up, there was no internet, you know? There was Encyclopedia Britannica's, and there was no basketball being taught, yeah. no. you know, in the uh, in the library. Yeah, and I think mentioning technology, that's a, that's a great aspect because it also, like, shaped the way of recruiting in basketball, right? Yeah. Nowadays, it's all about sending emails out. Yeah. Making the, I don't know how much like, people spend effort. Holiday, but definitely what I have to say, like basketball players have the coolest highlight tapes. Yeah, <laughs> like, how much lie. clips they have out there and what they do all, bro, <laughs> it looks crazy. So talking about that, like presenting yourself in a mail and like, talking to coaches, like holding yourself in a relationship with a coach, what would you advise to players of like, when is the right way to, like when is even the right time to reach out to college? When is the time you have to think about that? And how do you maintain a relationship with a coach that actually brings you to a point where he said, "Oh, I want you know over a long time." You because like making the best case scenario, you should have a long, good relationship already to the coach. You should know the program and both fits, and you say, "This is the right school for me." Like this, how it should work out. But like in some ways, it's it's it is also different, right? Yeah, I mean, I think um, first of all, it depends on your talent level, right? If you're a novice player. Um, you probably need to understand that talking to a coach at Duke or talking to a coach at North Carolina probably isn't going to work out, right? Like, so you need to understand kind of where you are at with your process and the steps that you need to take. When it comes to, like, prep school, it's kind of a similar thing, right? If you're a kid that's never played a varsity minute and you try to email me, (laughs) you know, and the film that you have is from, like, your seventh grade or sixth grade, you know, YMCA game, I'm probably not going uh, to give you, like, a favorable response, right? Because we're at one of the highest – most prestigious schools for basketball in the country, right. you know, so you need to kind of understand your audience. And then once you understand your audience, you need to figure out, okay, like if I want to go to these five schools, who do I know that knows one of those coaches? Yeah. Interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so if like I know a perspective out there, well, mm-hmm. get somebody that I know that knows them to say, Hey, you know, Jimmy John is really interested in your program. Mm-hmm. Like you need to take a look because I'm going to pick up that phone call because yeah. I know that that middle person rather yeah. than just taking a cold call. Now, if you don't have any connections to the coaches, what you need to do, is find multiple ways for you to get in mm-hmm. contact with them. When it comes to prep schools, it's really easy. There's always going to have a, a Twitter account or an Instagram account now. Yeah. You need to reach out to the team that way. You need to email the coach, the assistant coach, and probably the JV coach mm-hmm. at that school. And then the next thing you need to do is talk to the admissions people because the admissions people will definitely tell the coach, hey, this is someone that's really adamant about getting in contact with you. Will you please spend five minutes with them? Yeah. So I think that's a great part, uh, a great way for you to kind of circle the wagons yeah. in prep school. 
Mm. Interesting. And I always think about like presenting yourself on such a short time. I mean, like you have these five minutes, like I would think about like what you bring up and what are really the qualities that a coach is looking for? Because obviously like you have like kind of what I call with the hard facts and the soft facts. You have always like wingspan, you have like vertical jump, you have like yeah. your height, yeah. which are kind of like the circumstances without yeah. there, which yeah. could be just interesting for a coach saying, oh, my player that I want to scout is 6.9, for example, like yeah. he can be pretty interesting to to, to dunk or get a rebound, right? Yeah. But then it's obviously also about like kind of the softer skills of like what type of a player is he on the court? Mm -hmm. What decisions he's making off the court? And like also yeah, and what, like, what type of student he is? Yeah, exactly. So how First do you that. think like, if is there even like a ranking or is there like even a mix between that, the, that skills that you have? Or how do you think is the balance between like having right. like these things on paper and right. having the, your personality? Yeah, I mean, again, that's a great question. I mean, you need to, on paper doesn't win too many basketball games or championships, <laughs> right? Yeah. Because on paper, Milwaukee was supposed to win this year and they lost in the first round, you know? <laughs> that's true. So, I mean, on paper doesn't doesn't do many things for me specifically, and I think each coach is going to have their, their different thing. Um, everybody has a highlight, as you already talked about, right? Yeah. So I get tons and tons and tons of highlights throughout the year. Like, I think the highlight for me, allows me to get interested or not interested. You uh -huh. know what I'm saying? So if I'm interested in a kid, the next thing that I'm personally going to do is ask for a full game film. Mm. So can you send me a full game film of you performing where I can watch you for exactly, the entire yeah. 48 minutes or however many minutes you play um, and see kind of what those nuances that you didn't want to put yeah. on those highlights yeah, were yeah, about. Yeah, true. Because you know like saying? obviously your highlights yeah. will always be the best version right, of yourself, right? Exactly, so the that's best like version. the thing that right. you have to account there. Yeah. Exactly. So I want to see you in the moments where you where you airball or where yeah. you your teammate doesn't pass you the ball or where your coach takes you out when you don't want to get taken out. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? In those moments, what's your body language like? Yeah. You know, what's your attitude like? Yeah. I want to see if you're getting excited for your teammates making shots. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like those are the things that that's how intently in depth, I look at the the film, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you can't be excited about your teammate's success, then I don't really want you a part of our program. Mm. Right. That's a great yeah, answer, yeah. Yeah, going back, it, it goes back to the team. It goes back to what we were talking about all this time. One, it's about developing a team. It's about being a team player. And two, it's about making individuals. It's about being a better person. It's about being a champion. And now it comes... To the point where I, I I was thinking because you all you would obviously want players that are good, but you also want them to be committed to the team. And how do you make players find the level of focus and commitment to the team? And how do you like ensure that they are committed to this one thing? Because it it, it to for a program like us, like a basketball program like us, it definitely takes a lot of time to sacrifice a lot to sacrifice maybe a social life to sacrifice maybe. Um, not not saying academic, but like other things outside of outside and even of even like even on the basketball court. I think like even yeah. because in basketball, like related to soccer, we have like eight player, eleven players on the field, right? And yeah. basketball is like much less. So in basketball, it really matters when one player has his ego that he, he tries mm. to win the game alone. Mm. He'll probably recognize that he cannot do that. So the question to Coach Shelton would be here: um, What do you coach? Like, what do you coach advice if like a if like a player has? So how do you deal with all these like different players who probably have all ego and help them bring together as a force? Yeah, I mean, again, like it's so there's not a, there's not a cookie cutter answer for that. I think the great equalizer for a lot of the things that you both just spoke about mm -hmm. is the bench. So I think that uh, when there's ego, when there's attitude, when there's bad body language, when there's things that aren't uh, you know productive, 
uh, and team focused and centered. Yeah. Uh, I think the easiest way to get a kid's attention is to say, hey, okay, you're not going to start. Whatever role you think you're going to have, you're not going to have that role hmm. because your actions don't warrant right. um, you to have that role. And hmm. I think that those are the conversations that I have. I think I also talk to my guys a lot in terms of like the leaders I feel like they're on my team that have the, uh, have the kids' voices. Yeah. You know, so I try to partner and champion champion with those guys to say, listen, you know, we have a goal here in mind, have a successful season, whatever goal that goal or goals those were that we set out uh, to succeed or to, to have uh, in the beginning of the season. And so when I talk to, you know, my, my captains or they'll go, the leaders that I have, it's like, okay, can you go talk to Johnny or Jim yeah. to refocus them, to yeah. get them more a part of the team mm. collective? Um, you know, and I think it does take like, a collaborative effort. Do you also make your decisions who would be your starting, your, your starting five? Like I would say, like by emphasizing who is a freshman, who is a sophomore, who is a junior, who is a senior, you, you, you would say that, for example, like when you are a player and you're continuing to be like a good player and you're, and you're going to a good, good program, but you're a freshman, do you think the fact that you're a freshman will hold you back from playing just because the coach wants to see you grow? In some programs, 100%. You know, I think in some programs it, it depends um, on the head coach, you know, and what mm. their vision. Sometimes coaches feel like they want to honor the kids that have been in their program longer, regardless of whether or not they're yeah. the most talented kids. Yeah. Mm. For me, uh, honestly, guys, I don't care about that. Yeah. I care about winning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like at, at the end Best of the day, point. like I, I care about who's doing the right things on and off the court, yeah. who's representing yeah. our program the right way, who's putting in the time, effort and energy, who's putting in the unseen hours and who's going to be effective, uh, you know, as a collective, as yeah. as one of five uh, to help us win uh, the game. Right. Because that's what we do. That's yeah. what we do here. Right. And yeah. so. Uh, sometimes that might be a sophomore. Sometimes that might be a freshman or junior or postgrad. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter to me. It's like who's going to get the job done, you know. And this year we had Greg Brooks, who was a sophomore that started a lot of games for us, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, because he was the best at his position, you know, yeah. for those for those moments, you know. Yeah. And that's the reason why I decided to go with him. Definitely. And I want to sort of come back to the previous point that you were talking about, sort of bring people down if their ego is too high. But I'm, I wanted to sort of talk about the complete opposite situation where. If there is a player that is extremely low on confidence, is, is having self-doubt, is, is sort of like underperforming to, to their standards, is, you know, maybe they came in as like a, a big role star, like a recruit, and they have high ambitions, high expectations to go into a, a, a big college, and, and uh, this expectation hit on them, and then they, they go through a low period, and it might, it might, you know, spiral downwards because when you, you know, you know, as a coach, like you've definitely seen a lot of players, so like when they have that expectation, the extra weight, they, they actually perform uh, worse. So what would you say to them to help bring them up in some sense? Yeah. I mean, I think I would re remind them of what they've done to get them to this point mm. because each one of you kids, right. Regardless if you're an athlete or just a student here, you all are exceptional. Yeah. Right. Right. Sure. For you to get accepted into this school for one reason or another, you're exceptional at what you've done up until this point. So yeah. you have to you have to like remember that. Why? Remember all those uh, hard hours, you know, um, that you put into it before you got here yeah. and all the success that you've had, you know. And so I try to remind them of the, of that. Um, and say that this is just another basketball game. It's mm -hmm. just another shot. You know, it's just another year of basketball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also, like, like coming back to a point that I'm, like, referring to a question I want to really ask is, I mean, like, by sharing your why, 
I mean, like holding yourself accountable. I feel like you as a person sitting here and telling us like where you come from, like where you picked up basketball, like kind of your like your first coaching experience was like was a friend of you, and you like kind of like went in there. You thought about your basketball career. You thought about what went wrong about this and what would I do better. So really like authentic about why you do what you do. Yeah. And now coming to the point, which is like a term which is around there, and I want to have your um, perspective on it, where people say like college basketball is a business. It's a business <laughs> and why they're saying they kind of like the standpoint where I'm coming from. Like for example, what I also hear and it kind of also feels surreal, but it but it is in a case that players are actually when they make decision that money also sometimes come to place. Mm -hmm. So for example, like if you're a player who have like, for example, a low budget, you're really dependent on financial aid. Mm. So when you talk to coaches and all that, they probably gonna 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 try to like catch you or gonna try to hook you up with a term like, oh, I really want you. Or you're the you're the most like you're the most seen player for me and I can really see that you are in this position, all that. Mm -hmm. So how would you like how did you advise your players about like taking coaches were serious and also truly believe what college coaches tell you when you're in a process that many coaches want you like you are really like good player like many coaches and uh, programs are reaching out to you and you, you try to coordinate what is false and what is right about that and how do you think you can ask the right question to actually find that out like how valid is the words of the coach that he's telling what's telling me it's not that's the, that's the thing with me you know I, I, I try to tell my guys like two things right one who's calling you the most Who's being the most genuine with their communication? Yeah. Who's just like asking the surface level questions that aren't really like trying to dig deep? And then like once you peel, peel that back, I tell them the only other thing and the only other way for you to really feel what you need to feel is to get on that campus and be around the guys and be around the coaches, especially the head coach. Yeah. And it's like that vibe that you get that you kids like to use the word vibe, right? Like yeah. it's, it has to be, it has to be a vibe. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it has to be where you feel like they're being their authentic self and they're really genuinely pouring into you. And also as the higher that you get in terms of the level, the levels, right? Even within division one, there's three different levels, right? There's low major, mid major and high major. Yeah. Within each one of those low, mid and high, there's levels. There's mm -hmm. high, high major, there's yeah. low, high major, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. And so each one of those levels, and as you go up higher, it becomes more of a business, you know, and you need to understand that. And even at the low major level, you say, oh, like, well, it's not as much as, 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 as mid-major or high major. Well, it's like you need to understand the business of a low major head coach is he doesn't want to stay there the, entire, the rest of his life. Yeah. His goal is to get the mid-major job that makes $200,000 more or $500,000 yeah. more to get the, head, the, the high major job. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. that's, what, that's what the American quote-unquote dream is, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. most coaches don't want to just stay at the level they're at. They're always aspiring to get to the next level, yeah. which means that they have to win to do that. Yeah. You know, and so you need to understand that and you need to understand their approach. Mm -hmm. And you always need to have the back in your mind of like, okay, like, what am I getting out of this? Mm -hmm. You know, am I getting a good education? Am I, am I going to a location that I really love? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, am I going to be around family? Whatever, whatever the things that are important to you, you have to make sure that mm -hmm. regardless of the coach, that you're getting those intangible things mm -hmm. out of it. Um, because that's the business for you. Right, because you're thinking you should be thinking about the next forty years of your life, not yeah. just the next four. Yeah, yeah, and and that's a great point that you brought up because as the, I was just about to ask this because athletics, yes, that's a, a very important thing, and it's like so, so shiny that that you know we, we 
at this certain point, you know, I'm like teenagers, we're all thinking about sports, all the sport dreams and all that. Maybe we can get too sort of hot headed and then just focus only focus on the sport aspect, but also lose the the the, the academic aspect. So, in your point of view, what is the importance of of academics, and how would you suggest someone to sort of like focus on academics? For example, when you are looking at a player, mm-hmm. when you're looking trying to recruit a player for just for our school. Mm-hmm. You don't just look at their, you know, just just like the highlights. You you would also look at like what, how good of a student they are, right? Their transcript, yeah, yeah. Like why why would why is that important, and how important is that for college basketball, and also for um, just just people who, who want to move forward in life in general? Yeah, I mean, for us specifically here at NMH, I mean, we are a pretty rigorous school, as you both know. So mm-hmm. the course load, even though we only take three classes a semester, I think the course load is can be pretty rigorous depending on what classes that you take yeah. so it could be tough you know and so we need to have kids that uh and guys that can do well in that environment academically yeah, yeah. um so that's the reason why i look at their academic profiles to make sure that they can get into the school that they can do the work mm-hmm. yeah. um and that's kind of the baseline you know f- that we need mm-hmm. i think the reason that you're i mean the, the, to answer your question the why behind academics and why it's important to all of us mm-hmm. is because going back to what i said earlier right mm-hmm. like your, your athletic career is going to be really short. And so you, you need to be able to have the tools in your toolbox to support yourself, to, put, to yeah. support a future family, um, to make an impact on the world, you know. Right. And you do that by having knowledge, right? right. And that's how you, how, you, how you gain knowledge. You learn, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you don't know exactly what you want to study. And mm-hmm. so this is kind of a great proving ground for you guys to figure out and do and test in a lot of different things, you know, dabble here, dabble there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, hone in on your, your craft academically mm-hmm. in college. Okay, I want to be a business. Oh, I want to be engineering. Oh, I want to be yeah. a doctor, whatever the yeah. case may be, right? Yeah. And so you kind of focus your energies there. And if the athletic part doesn't work out, you always have that to fall back on. Um, you know, and I think with basketball specifically, there's so many stories that uh, of, of hardships of guys that have made millions and millions of dollars, and then they end up losing it all because they mm. made bad business deals or they just didn't, yeah, they didn't do definitely. a great thing with their money. And it's like, man, you know, maybe if we paid a little bit more attention in economics, yeah, uh, you know, business <laughs> yeah, class, yeah, we would have yeah. been able to do yeah. a little bit better uh, with all those millions of dollars that you got. I yeah. feel that. And I think like, but also like when you're an athlete and that's something you picked up, Jen, yes, there are also academics, but it's definitely like your heart, like when you're a basketball player, when you decide that even for you, Coach Sheldon, you decided like actively to stay with the game. Obviously, mm-hmm. I would say you love the game, right? Yeah. So you love the yeah, game, you stick sure. with the game, you're dealing every day with it. And I feel like also to have basketball as a passion, you can have as a player the feeling that you definitely want to stick with basketball. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the, the obviously the big dream to get to the league where yeah. we have this also absurd percentages, like how much people end up in the league is probably, I don't know how much, like one, two percent. One percent. Like yeah, something around yeah. that coach, right? Yep. And, but then like. It's a one percent for every single level. It's like one percent of high schoolers played division one and one percent of division one ballers played. Exactly, NBA. exactly, exactly. But one transition that are many, that's probably interesting for, for people listening here who want to go to college and who aspire a basketball career is obviously that you also have some doors open in other countries, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. how how mm. do you see that perspective of playing basketball abroad? Mm. And mm. do you do you see that even it is that it would be more realistic to say because like when you ask players like the most like obvious like not obvious but the answer would be like the, op- the more optimistic answer I want to go to the league. Mm-hmm. Do you think it would be even better to adjust and say I want to play basketball professional and 
I don't care about playing in the league. It should be just like in a level where I can earn money with. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, yeah. that's the that's the best perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you if you cast a wide net, you're most likely going to catch some fish. You know yeah. what I'm saying? If you yeah, cast I a narrow that. net, I love that. you know, you're if you're going for the smart fish, we'll be on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think that you know it is it is difficult to be a professional athlete regardless yeah. whether it's overseas international or even here some of the smaller leagues in the united states it's definitely difficult to kind of earn a real living doing it mm-hmm. but you can do it you know and and i think that if that's something that you're passionate about and that you want to do um i definitely think that looking overseas and having more of an open perspective is going to allow you to be uh you know better off in the long run out is, is what i would say yeah great uh, this, this has been a very great journey. We've learned so much from you today. I mean, there's so many things that we talked about. And because today is like a special episode, we will... Yeah, I would say we just picked the, mix, the one. We'll, the we'll, one. we'll mix it and then we'll pick um, two questions to ask you. So the first question for you is what are some non-negotiable values that you have for your living and for your team? For my living? Yeah, for, for your life. Oh, for And my also life. for your team. Okay. So it's, it's a two, two, it's like a two part question. Two part question. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I think that a non negotiable for me for for my life is always following my dreams and my passion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that um, growing up uh, a young kid in Indiana uh, with a single mom, you know, there's a lot of a lot of nights by yourself, and you're just kind of yeah. dreaming and, and hoping yeah. that you are uh, going to be in the NBA or going to do yeah. all these great things, you yeah. know. And I think I've been very blessed and afforded an opportunity in my life to continue to always follow my dreams and my mm-hmm. passions wherever they mm-hmm. may lead me. Um, I lived in a lot of different places, and I've, I've experienced a lot of different things. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I really do strongly believe in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still doing that currently. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm still following my dreams. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's so one thing. Fun. And then that's a non-negotiable, you know, for my guys is that, uh, you know, bad body language is the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah. You know, like I just as a coach, I, I hate bad body language. You know, I think it's toxic. You, were, you mentioned that you said that word earlier. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't feel like you can be as productive yeah. uh, as you can be as a team in a toxic environment. So that's mm-hmm. a non-negotiable for us, for sure. Right. OK. Now, my final question is, what would your advice to a player who's just coming in? Freshman year, first training, you're mm-hmm. talking to him. You see he needs some orientation. You want to give him some advice. Mm-hmm. Probably it's also like, let's let's make the case it's like the, the only training you have. And also it comes to down to the thing of like, what do you want players to understand when you have coached them in basketball? So what is my advice to a freshman? What is your advice to a freshman? Yeah. Like kind of like paving the way of the college process, paving the way of finding the school. What is your advice to a freshman entering like how to use these next four years in high school to pursue their basketball career. Yeah, I mean, I think um, my advice to a freshman in high school is you always have to be ready. Don't don't try to get ready, which means that you have to use the unseen hours, meaning mm-hmm. not when I'm in the gym, not when your teammates are in the gym or anybody that you're trying to impress. Yeah. Like you have to use those unseen hours every single day to uh, work on your craft, to be the best version of yourself, um, you have to push yourself to be in the best physical condition you possibly can be also, which means getting on the treadmill, getting outside on the track, 
working with our strength coach, mm-hmm. uh, being in the best physical shape. Right. Um, every single time you step on the court is definitely going to set yourself apart as a freshman. And if you can start those habits, those great habits of your, your first year, yeah. I think that's going to only expound and get better as you move through your process and your skills enhance and you get bigger and stronger and faster and stuff yeah. like that naturally because you get older. Uh, but again, creating those daily habits of uh, time, effort, and energy was the things I always like to talk about. Time, effort, um, yes. Yeah. What do you do with your time? You know, how is your effort in terms of being able to be in the best shape? Uh, and are you going to have great energy when you get in the gym with me? Yeah. And those are the things that I'm really going to look for. Love it. That's nice. It's like we we uh, we, we did a, a circle, like like a roller coaster ride. You know, we yep. went on all these journey, and we ended up where we started, which is about the daily habits. That's it. It's the fundamentals. It's the little things. It's the little things, my man. It's, it's the, the little, little things. things. Okay. Thank you, Coach so Austin. Thank it's you so much, Coach. For what a journey. I appreciate it, guys. Both of you guys were awesome. I know this podcast is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not this one, but what, <laughs> you, guys, what, you, what, you, guys doing, what you guys are doing are, is going to be great. You guys are awesome, and uh, I'm, I'm glad. Last question before we sign off. Did you have a good time here today? Yeah, I had a fantastic time. Everybody <laughs> should do this in NMH. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Coach, thank you so much. Thank you so Thanks, much guys. for coming. And for listeners, thank you all so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.